Good evening, good evening. Hello, there it is. Well, how are you? Good. Blessed. Blessed. Amen. That's good stuff. Um, there's a very glad to have everybody tonight. Very happy to have you here. This is our maturity meeting, and it hasn't we ha we haven't really shown that maturity yet tonight, and that's um, but that's okay. We've shown actually. It is very mature to understand that God loves his children and he wants you to be happy and joyful. It talks about joy a whole, whole lot. And actually, the person who looks like they sucked on a lemon all the time, they're actually not very mature, uh, you know. But we're going to leave that alone. Move it on. Everybody seemed to, yeah, that was good. So today is the day after the midterm elections and the political climate uh, really looks a lot different. And the truth of the matter is, whether you like that or don't like that, or wherever you're at, uh, right now, today, is the time to do a couple of things. Number one, start praying for those leaders. Yeah. Lifting them up. Whether you like them or not, makes no difference. You, you don't know what God's up to. You don't know. But God does, and so we should start letting the Spirit lead us and pray blessings and wisdom over those people, no matter who they are or what they represent. Number two, you should start praying right now for our next election, that the godly, that the people that God want, wants to be in there. And, you know, the truth of the matter is there's probably even in this room, there's some people that are probably happy, some people that are probably sad. And uh, that really goes to show us uh, just how off we are from the will of God because you realize God only wants it to really happen one way. He has a will, but it shows us how much society has influenced us and influenced our mindset and how much our atmosphere and environment influences how we think instead of actually being led by the Spirit of God. And that's very important. So let's, in this, we already have leading on the Spirit of God that says, first of all, pray for your leaders. So let's pray. And let's just pray for them right now. Lord, we just lift up our leaders. Republican, Democrat, Tea Party, Libertarian, you know, the one we can't think of their name of right now, anybody else in the mix, Lord, we lift them up. Let our leaders carry the blessing of God on them. Let them, Lord, carry the wisdom of heaven on them. Father, we just call them blessed according to your wisdom, according to your power, and your anointing to lead in the position and in the place that they're in. Right now, Lord, we ask for those future leaders to start to rise up. The ones, Lord, that are sitting there and don't even know that they're called to run in the next election, but you have a place for them. Lord, let them start to see clearly your will, to hear your voice, to feel your draw, so that they will be at the right place at the right time. And Lord, we just ask that this land and this people would seek you first in everything, and they would hear from you, and then they would vote according to the heart and the will of God. And Lord, we just praise you for that, and we thank you for it. Amen. Amen. Um, well, let's go ahead and turn to 1 John chapter 3. This is uh, part 5, I think, of chapter 3. Um, still got, I think, two more chapters to go here, and... Um, but there's some really good stuff. How many has gotten, it's been a few weeks since we've been on 1 John, uh, but how many people have gotten some stuff out of 1 John since we've been in on it? I can tell you I have. I've grown by it. But let's start, we're kind of picking up, we're at the very end of the chapter 3, uh, and let's start at verse 10, uh, so we'll go to 1 John 3.10. But the key of this whole book is this in the beginning at first john one you know verse one through i think the first four verses it basically says this we experienced god he was real we've seen his love his power his manifestation this is what he's talking about and he says this he says and i want you to experience it the same way we are experiencing it we experienced it we are experiencing it now, even though Christ has, has died and rose again and now is in heaven, they were still experiencing the love and the power of God. And he was saying, we experienced it, we're telling you these things so that you will experience God and experience his love, experience his power, the same way we're doing it right now. 
So here's the thing. This is scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is saying the same reality that John had with the love of God and the power of God and what he experienced and lived, he wants you to have it too. He wants you to have that same experience with God. Well, that's pretty exciting because this is the same John who they tried to boil in oil and that he would not die. That's a pretty large experience, right? I mean, that's some life overflowing, I would say, right? And, and this is the same John who had, had uh, revelation given to him on the Isle of Patmos. I mean, John's got some revelation. John's having some experiences with an almighty God who loves him and he knows it. And God wants us to have those same kind of experiences. So, as we look into this, the whole point of that is, why are, we, why are we going to change our lives based off of what John says? Because God wants us to experience him the same way that John did. And as we make changes to our life and, and the way that we do things like the way John's telling us here, then you're going to start to experience him in different ways. And that's okay, and that's a good thing, and you should be expecting it. You should be looking to experience him in a different way. So all of that is basically what you can get out of the first four verses of chapter 1. So go back and just read over that. Read it in a bunch of different translations. See what he's really saying there, because there's some huge promises that he's trying to get to you. So in verse 10 of chapter uh, three. We're just using this. We've gone over this a couple of times, but we're just using this to kind of, since it's been a few weeks, catch us up to where we are. It says this, by this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. And I'll just say this right here. He says the one who practices righteousness. That doesn't mean, all right, well, uh, that guy just lied to me. That was not righteous. He's not of God. That's a devil right there. I'm telling you, he's not born again or anything. No, that's not what it said. It said the one who doesn't practice righteousness. So in other words, he might have slipped and messed up and told you a lie, but that doesn't mean he's of the devil. That just means that the devil had an influence on his corrupted flesh that he still has. But if you watch the whole of their life, you can kind of boil it down. Is he practicing righteousness or not? And you can see the one who does is of God. And the one who doesn't is of the devil. <clears throat> Verse 11. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. You want to live in life? You want life overflowing? Live in love. If you're not living in love, where are you living at? You're living in death. He who does not love abides in death. You want healing in your body, you want provision, you want all the things of life overflowing, then you need to get to abiding in love. That means you're abiding in the things of God. But love is not just saying, you know, what works out for you. Love, we talked about this, love costs you something. And love is a choice. Love is a choice, and that choice generally is saying, this is going to cost me. Sometimes it's comfort, sometimes it's just, you know, Sometimes love costs you uh, when people, they may say things or talk bad or whatever, and you choose to love on them instead of getting offended. And you give up your comfort. You give up your, uh, you kind of give up your peace to that moment, and you love on them anyway. One of the things I've been, I've been saying a lot here over the last couple of weeks is this, and this is a great thing for, you, for us to know and us to learn, is this. Just because somebody else moves outside of love does not remove your responsibility to stay in love. Just because somebody moves outside of love does not remove your responsibility to stay in love. In other words, see, the world teaches us, I know in our American society, it teaches us, man, if somebody does you wrong, you know, 
eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You know, hey, I'm gonna take you to I'm gonna take you to court. You know, I'm a, you owe me. That whole attitude is really not love. Even the eye for eye and tooth for a tooth. If all right, so that's what you want to happen. Okay, let's uh, start marking up all your sin then, and because you know, well, let's. What do you really deserve? Do you want? Are you? Well, what happened to eye for eye, tooth for tooth? Now, is that what you want? You want you want to receive the penalty of all that stuff you've done? Uh, not me. Man, I praise God for grace. I praise God that we are in a time of grace where the love of Jesus paid the price for that, and I'm not paying it anymore. And so, if I want to walk in that, I want to walk in life. I've got to abide in the same kind of love that Jesus showed me. When I messed up, he loved me anyway. When I couldn't help myself, he loved me anyway. When that person messes up and they take from you and they, me- and they mess you up, it doesn't give you a right to step outside of love. Matter of fact, Jeff was talking about it last week. We've got to move in forgiveness, and it's good to move in it quickly. Yeah. Without moving in forgiveness, you're actually staying in unforgiveness yourself. You're placing yourself in the realm of unforgiveness, outside of grace. Holy cow, I need grace. I don't know about you, I need it. I need some grace. So, verse 14, the end of it, who, he who does not love abides in death. I just don't even like the sound of that. That makes me want to say, my goodness, I need to stay in love all the time. I need to make sure that I purpose myself To stay in that love. Verse 15. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Now hold up God. Whoa, 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 whoa. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer? Yep, he pretty much made the connection there. It's the same root, the same sin, that same hatred of your brother, that same uh, uh, unrighteous evil basically makes you a murderer. And then it goes on and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So in other words, what he just said was, when you take it out against your, your brother and you're hating on your brother, guess what? You're a murderer and you got no life in you. Time out, God. Now that's not the way I was taught. I know that's why you're getting taught now. That's the purpose. That, now, I hadn't been operating by That's the place to repent. Lord, I, I didn't know. Or, or maybe I did know in my heart, but I, I, didn't, I didn't, you know, I couldn't fathom it, you know. Well, now's the time to quickly say, Lord, I ask you to forgive me and repent, and that means I'm changing. I'm turning into what you told me to turn to. All right, all right I'm not holding stuff against my brother anymore. Well, they, they did this to me, and, and it was so wrong. Granted, I, I believe you. It was wrong. It was messed up. It was devilish. But that doesn't give you a right to step outside of love. Nor does it get, should it give you a desire to step outside of love. Yeah. I should have a desire that says, uh-uh, I am not moving into murdering of my brother. I'm not moving into a death eternity. I'm, I'm staying in the place where love abides, where life is, Because I love God. I'm staying in love. I'm moving in forgiveness. And I'm moving in forgiveness quick. Verse 16. We know love by this. That he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. let's, Let's just dwell on that verse one more time here. We know love by this. Here's how we know love. We know what love is because Jesus laid down his life for us. And Holy Spirit says to you to remain in love. This is God talking to you. You ought, you ought to lay down your life for the brethren. In other words, I don't see my life Listen to this. This is what it's saying. I don't see my life as important 
or as much of a priority as I see yours. You lay it down. You can put your life at a lower level than somebody else's. Well, now that changes all kinds of thinking. If you, all right, just take that into things that you do every day. You know, how about, how about when, you know, you're in the parking lot and there's another car and y'all are like coming in, you know, two outside rows and there's a middle row and the car just went and left and both of y'all on opposite lanes see it and you're like, you know, trying to get in that parking spot. If you're laying down your life for your brethren, are you trying to really beat everybody? Why? So that you can get in the store quicker? So that you can have a shorter walk to the place? Literally, all right, let me put it this way. You're going to get outside of love and into the place of death just so that you have a few less seconds to walk? Now, do you see the reality of this love? Do you see why we're not moving in something? And we're going to see something in a minute here at the end of the chapter that's going to, you're going to be like, oh my gosh. I'm going to do, see, we should have this attitude. I'm going to do anything I possibly can to stay in the place of love. To get out of death and stay in the place of love. I need to do anything. If it costs me and I am anywhere close to stepping outside of love, uh uh-uh, I'm not doing it. I'll back away. Have it. It's yours. Please, take it. Because you staying in love is much more valuable than you receiving whatever that is. In the New Living, it says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. The message says this, this is how we've come to understand and experience love. This is, and remember, we're talking about experiencing love and life of God like John did. This is how we come to understand and experience love. Christ sacrificed His life for us. Do you realize what Christ did? We said this earlier, but Christ said, my life is not as important as everybody else. My life is not as important as yours. Christ said that. Son of God. Who was equal to God in heaven. And he said, my life's not as important as yours. Now if God can say, my life is not as important as yours through Jesus. Then we should be able to say, my life's not as important as yours. I need to lay it down. It doesn't mean that God doesn't count you important. He, he counts you hugely important. I mean, He counts you important. But, how we see it in our own head versus everybody else is going to keep you in love or kick you out of love. One or the other. And we've got to be able to put our lives at a value and a priority that's lower than everybody else. I... Uh, had some conversations today with multiple people, but but here's the thing. There's times where I mean just like ministering in church and everything. I mean, it has almost eaten me and Nicole and our family up. And and it's our job to balance that, right? It's our job to remember that our family is our very first church and, and we're to pastor our, our kids first, you know. I'm to pastor at my home before I pastor here actually. That's right. That's that's God. And there's times when we've, you know, not really esteemed that and we've just given ourselves and given ourselves and given ourselves and man it feels like we've just gotten trampled on by different things and 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 and, and you know what? Not if we get the priority right though. That's an okay thing. It's not a weak thing. To give your life for somebody. 
We, we've endured more. I, I'll just, I'm just giving this to you because it's personal and, it, and it's real. It's a real example. We've endured hardships because other people made very small little, bit, little bits of, of sin or, or bad decisions. And we've endured hardships for that. Now, that's not a pat myself on the back. I'm just saying, you know what? God looks at it like this. Let's say it's you that made the bad choice or the sin. God looks at it like this. You're worth it. And I know we, and we haven't always felt like you're worth it. Uh, yeah, sometimes we're like, Mm-mm, no, I ain't doing that. No. <laughs> so, but, some, but what we need to do is have the attitude of, you know what, you're worth it. You know, one, one of the things we've talked about a lot uh, you know, recently is this, is if we were going to go into a church that was going to do everything right, all the people were just going to be so awesome and esteem God and esteem us and it just, woo! Why are we going to church? Who is there to raise up to the perfection of the height of Christ? We're having church because ain't none of us got it all together. None of us, including me. None of us do. That's why we're here. To love on each other. Bear the burdens of one another. Lift each other up. And each of us, when we each see our lives as not as important as the person sitting next to us, and we're willing to put our lives at a lower level to say, you're worth it. Then love can reign. The power of God moves in. And everybody's needs are met where they need to be met. Yet today, literally, the you know, polls say that the place where love is the least available is in churches. Why? Because people don't live by this. They don't live any differently than what the world's taught them. Our job is to come in here and when we hear and when we see them see the word, our job is to come in here and change. We gotta change. In other words, you shouldn't read this tonight and something not change tomorrow for the rest of your life. Something should change every time you get into the Word. Something should click. Or at least it should build up to a point that you put together with something else. And when that thing clicks, it changes you. You change with it. Something should change. But, but a lot of times we just want, oh, I feel good. I went to church on Wednesday night. It was the maturity meeting. I was hanging out with the mature people. I feel so good about myself because I went to church. It was so nice. Hugging people. It was so nice, you know, loving on people and having them love on me. I'm so glad they got to see me. Church is so awesome. And you don't change? You should have stayed home. You don't change? We're, we're not... What are we accomplishing? We need to have lives that are changed because of the power and the Word of God. And we're experiencing God more and more and more and growing. And if that's not happening, then what are we doing? What are we doing? Now it is happening here. I Paige put up a post earlier on Facebook about made me cry. Yeah. Talking about a whole bunch of people. Thanks, Paige. <laughs> <laughs> so sweet. So, no, um... It really, it was, it was, she was talking about, hey, lives are being changed here at Boomerang. And they should, you know. They should. They should be being changed on a, such a regular basis that we have testimonies of it all the time. This is how we've come to understand and experience love. Christ sacrificed his life for us. This is why we all... This is why. This is why. Because Christ sacrificed his life for us. This is why we ought to live sacrificially for our fellow believers and not just be out for ourselves. Not just be out for ourselves. Yeah, think about this. How many people voted yesterday, whether you like the election or not, how many people voted yesterday because it's going to line their pocketbooks? How many people voted because they're going to get better support? How many people voted out of love because they were only out for themselves? Love does what Christ asks. You know, we, we have the responsibility of voting Christ-like. 
Voting according to the word. This is a responsibility. How many people are actually out of love in the place where they're supposed to make one of the biggest differences they can? It's very important stuff. And yet, we're like, well, no, nah, I'm going to go vote because, you know, that'll help the economy or that'll, you know, give me the health care or it'll do this or it'll do that. And, and there's a ton of different reasons because they're out for themselves and that's not love. Are you out for yourself or are you out for God? Because God says, those who honor me, I will honor. And I'm going to tell you what, you'd rather have the honor of God than you would have the honor of Washington. You'd rather have the honor of God. That'll take you further. Matter of fact, when Washington makes all kind of rules that take, this, you know, take something down to the ground and completely destroys it, that's when the honor of God will rise you up and make your light shine. So let's honor God. Verse 17. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Whoever has the world's goods, in other words, they have the means to do something and help, sees his brother in need, and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? In other words, let's not just talk about it. See, this is the problem that's been in church in America, is we've just been talking about it. Oh, yes, we've got to love, we've got to do this and everything. But yet, we see our brother in need, and we really hadn't, hadn't done anything about it. Somebody else will get it. Yeah. Let me. Let, the Bible's actually very clear that we are to be the ones that are feeding uh, the poor and the sick, the widow, and the orphan. Not the government. We're the ones anointed by God to do it. And here's what's happened, because we have seen a brother in need, and we said, well, the government will do it. And we wonder why it don't work. Because the government's not anointed to do it. The church is. The church is anointed by God to make that happen. And so here's what happens. We talk about, oh yes, we want to help them, we want to help them. But yet we go and we actually move and take action completely contrary to the plan that God had. Are we in love or out of love? Out. Are we in death or in life? In death. And we wonder why these things aren't working. Now, not trying to bring condemnation, not trying to bring any kind of peace, but we've got to see what's in that word and start acting on it. Not just talking it, but living it. Why? Because God needs you in life. And you know what happens when you get in life and you get in love? All of a sudden, when you get in life and you get in love, you can take it to the people around you as well. All of a sudden, it will overflow out of you into the other, other people as well. Here's, now, here's one piece in this verse. It says, but whoever has the world's good and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? I want to point out something here because the devil will use this to bring condemnation against you. Oh, you had $10 in your pocket and the, you know, the poor guy came up or the homeless guy came up and asked you for $10 and you didn't give it. Is that person in love or out of love? Are we sure? That's right. It depends. What did God tell you to do right then? It doesn't say that he gave them that thing. It says he closes his heart towards him. Wisdom is whatever God tells you to do is what you do. Because sometimes I've been in situations where the guy comes up and he asks me for money and the Lord says, empty your pockets and give it all. Sometimes I've had stuff in my pockets and the guy comes up and the Holy Spirit says, don't give him anything. And I'm not, I'm not closing my heart towards him. That's the difference. I'm, uh, the best thing I can do to help somebody is to open my ears to heaven, hear from heaven, and be obedient to that. And so a lot of times the devil will use this as condemnation and he'll say, you didn't give to him after you felt led not to. You didn't give to him and, and now you're outside of love because you didn't give. And the, the example that I use a lot of times with this is the prodigal son. What did the prodigal son need? Did he need another meal? No. The prodigal son needed what happened at the end. It says he came to himself. The prodigal son needed to wake up. And so everybody that came and gave the prodigal son something else to eat 
prolonged him waking up, kept him in the pig pen longer. They were enabling him in that place. Now, what would be the difference? Who, who says whether or not you should feed or not feed the prodigal son while he's in the, in the pig pen? The Holy Spirit knows what's right. What we should do is open up our heart to the love of God, seek Him, hear from Him, and then be obedient. He says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. What we need to do is hear His commandments. We need to open. Our, closing our heart towards God is closing our ear towards hearing from God. We need to keep our ears open and then just simply be obedient to what God has. Verse 18, Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Stop, stop saying it. Stop talking about it. Do it. Stop making excuses for why you don't do it. Do it in deed and in truth. We will, listen to this, verse 19, we will know by this that we are of the truth. We will know by what? We will know by this, by what? That we love, not just in word, but we love in deed and in truth. So when we move in deed and truth, we will know that we are of the truth. But if we examine our lives and, and actually, you know, you know, I really hadn't given any money to the poor recently. You know, I haven't really visited anybody that was sick or, or visited anybody in the jail or, not, you know, not even in our, our church have we done that. Then indeed, in truth, you're not moving in love. So we need to examine ourselves. Are we actually doing these things? I know this is one of the things that the Lord said for Boomerang this year is, I want you to stretch out your giving to people that are in you know that are in hard times. And so this year I would say that we've given more than we ever have before to people that needed help. Why? Because the Lord said stretch your faith toward it. And 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 he and this is the direction and the vision that God gave the leadership is boomerang as a body needs to be sowing into that more. Why? Because God wants to bless you. God wants us to be moving in this love. He wants the things of God to get on us because we're moving and abiding in Him. But this is an important fact here. When we actually start moving in that, we will be known. We will know that we're in the truth. How many people have ever wanted to know that you know that I'm going to heaven? Know that you know that I'm born again. I can tell you how you'll know. You start actually moving at the command of God and doing what He's asking you to do. And listen, okay, how many people have won somebody to the Lord recently? Don't raise your hand. How many people have won somebody to the Lord recently? I said don't raise your hand. How many people have led somebody to you know, rededicate their life recently? Now as a church we have, but I'm talking about individually. Well, the commandment of God is this. The commandment of God is go and make disciples. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. So if we're not doing that, are we actually operating in deed and truth? He who wins souls is wise. Are we actually doing these things? All right, and, and here, look, don't take condemnation for it if you hadn't been doing it. I can, I can ramp it up too. I need to ramp it up myself. But here, don't take condemnation for it. For those who are in Christ Jesus, there is now therefore no condemnation. But does it actually point out something to you that says, maybe I need to step it up in an area or two. Maybe I, I, uh, maybe I need to maybe learn some things. Maybe I need to apply myself a little bit differently. In other words, is there a place for you to change? Is there areas for you to grow? Absolutely. And see, the truth of the matter is we can get so uh, bogged down with the cares of this world that we actually have no life in us anymore because we're not actually doing indeed and truth what God asked us to do. And then all we're, we're, we're going through life and we're like, you know, I just, you know, 
I don't know what's wrong. It's like I wake up and I go to work and then I eat and go to bed and then I wake up and go to work and get in and go to bed and wake up and go to work and I don't feel like I'm getting anything done. You're right. You're not. There's no life in you because we're not actually doing what he's asked us to do. Now, why... All right, so everybody's like, oh, Brian, you're so golly. <laughs> I can, everybody's quiet, and he's like, it's all right. No, it really isn't all right. You know, our American society keeps, we want to feel good about ourselves. It's not okay. We've got to change. We've got to get real. Why, why are you here on this earth? What are you doing? What are you really doing here? Are you, are you here so that your business can grow really a whole lot? Are you here so that you can leave a, a, a retirement or an inheritance to your kids? Is that really why you're here? It's not what the Word says. Those things may happen, and that can be great, and that can be awesome, but that's not why you're here. You are here on this earth still to advance the kingdom of heaven. And you do that by spreading the life and the love of God through salvation, healing, the, the filling of the Holy Spirit, moving in this experience that John is talking about of the love and the power of God. And you do it by actually doing what Jesus said. By growing. And places that you're slack in, you go, man, i gotta, I got to step it up. You know, let's take the slack out and let's get on with this thing. We gotta, we gotta, you know what? We, we gotta do it ourselves. We gotta do that to ourselves and say, I got some stuff to do. I got, I got some stuff to do. I don't know about you. You know, Jeff, I don't know about you. Jimmy, I don't know about you. Barrett, Nicole, Mike, I don't know about y'all, but let me tell you this. Brian Wright has got some stepping up to do. Because I'm not doing all this stuff either. And I'm not condemned over it, but I am convicted to do it better. And reality and walking Christ-like says, i got to do it better. And I, I, I realize that I may try to do it and not hit all the marks that I want to hit, but I know I have a direction that looks after Christ and I'm heading that way, and I'm going to get better and better. But I'm going to be honest with myself on the way and say, am I really doing these things in love? Am I really moving in deed and in truth? Am I really doing this? I've got to, I've got to evaluate myself and say, am I really headed in a Christ-like direction, or am I just living a dead life? And the truth of the matter is, this is part of the problem with the world, is the church has been living that dead life. They've already died, they just hadn't been buried yet. And that's part of why we're going, God, just doesn't feel, it feels like there's more. There is. And when you start doing those things, all of a sudden it's like, yes! Yes, this feels awesome. Win somebody to the Lord. See him healed of cancer. How'd that feel when that guy got, I bet so. So when, what did you get a phone call when that guy called you? And, and what'd he sound like on the other end? He's pretty happy. And what'd you feel here? It make you feel like there was more to life than what you had been living? That's Amen. By doing these things in deed and truth, we will know by this that we are of the truth. It's important to know that these deeds and truths will prove something to us. Verse 18 in the Amplified, listen to this. Little children, let us not move merely in theory or in speech, but in deed and in truth or in practice and in sincerity. It says this in verse 19. We will know by this that we are of the truth. We will assure our heart before Him in whatever our heart condemns us 
For God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Now, if you read that the way I just read it to you, how many people like actually understood what that just said? Right. I mean, it's, it's English, right? I, I, maybe. <laughs> it might, I'm not sure. It might not be. <laughs> that might still be in Greek, but it kind of felt like it. But it's meant to be read together in the two verses together. And let's read it again all together. We will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our heart. How will we know? If we do things in deed. Not just theory, not just words. In deed and truth. We're actually doing them. Okay? We will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our heart before him in whatever our heart condemns us. For God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Again, all right, maybe that made a little bit more sense since we read it all as one sentence, but still, how many people really got it? I know when I read this, I'm going to tell you, I spent about 45 minutes reading this and then reading it again and then reading it again. And, and after about 30 minutes, I was still going, God, what does that mean? I only, I, I'm not even sure. And it's important that you understand what this says because there's a key in here. It says this, let, let me read it like this. All right, the word assure there means to persuade or convince our heart. And where it says condemn, that means finds fault with. So let me read it like this. We will know by doing, by this, we will know by doing the deeds in truth and in deed, we will know that we are of the truth. And we will persuade or convince our heart before him, before God, in whatever our heart finds fault with us. For God is greater than our heart, and he knows all things. All right, let me read this now in the New Living and listen to this. Our actions, when we're actually doing the thing and not just talking about it, not just going to church, but not, you know, we're going to church, but we don't have action. When we stop that, we change ourselves, and we, we're actually doing what God's told us to do. It's in deed and truth. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God, even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings, and He knows everything. Here's, here's what it's saying. How many people, it seems like no matter how much good you do, you still have inside of you sometimes, I'm just a sinner. I've done some stuff wrong. Let me put it like this. How many people have ever had the devil talking on your shoulder about how bad you are and not letting you forget about that one time when, you know, how many people ever have that? Everybody. When even if it's not just the devil, if it's even coming out of your own self to where the core of who you are remembers how bad you are, here's what it's saying. When we actually move in deed and truth, contrary to what our flesh wants to do, we're moving in love, it will actually convince our heart that even though we had those mess-ups, even though we still mess up at times, even though sometimes we still feel guilty, it'll convince us and say, but I'm of God. And that confidence is something. There's a life there. There's a, there's a strength there that most of the world doesn't have. See, here's the thing about Christians where they should be. It's not that, that, it's not that we uh, feel like we walk everywhere and only where God wants us to be. We recognize we miss it. But the difference is we can miss it and we don't feel condemned to hell. We can miss it and we don't feel like God hates us when we get to know Him. We can miss it and still have a confidence and a boldness because His love is so awesome. Look, I miss it practically every single day. But I can still walk in a confidence and boldness, not because I'm great, but because God is. Because His love's awesome. And when I see me doing things that don't feel good to the flesh, you know, Sometimes like preaching on Wednesday night when I just want to go home and watch The Walking Dead or something. Maybe I, let's just watch that or rerun or get on Netflix and watch a whole show. I don't want to be here. I really do want to be here, but sometimes I don't feel like it. Just not tonight. 
because y'all are smiling at me now. You weren't a few <laughs> minutes ago, maybe. No, anyway. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes when I do things and I don't feel like doing them in my flesh, what happens is I realize, why am I doing this? I'm doing this because I love God. Why would I do that? Because He's in me and I'm in Him. So when I mess up, I don't have to dwell on the mess up. I just need to change it, change my thinking on it, turn towards God. Don't get condemned by that, but walk in the boldness of the love of God. Walk in the freedom and the hope of who God is. It doesn't have the... See, that sin and that conviction, even of my own heart, doesn't have a power to hold me under condemnation any longer. Because the, my deeds and actions are, are proving to me that I'm of God. Your deeds and actions in love will prove to you and even convince your own heart, will persuade your own heart you're of God. Listen to this one more time. Our actions show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings and He knows everything. Now listen to this in verse 21. Beloved, if our... Oh, this is so powerful. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And what we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. Let me read this in the New Living. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty... Now how are we not going to feel guilty? If we're actually doing the deeds in deed and in truth, making actions of love when our flesh doesn't feel like it, but we're doing it anyway. We're not just talking about it. It's not just theory. We're putting it into practice. That's when we'll not feel guilty. If we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence and we will receive from Him whatever we ask because we obey Him and do the things that please Him. Now, is that not strong? Let me ask you this. How many people are not receiving anything they ask of God because they're not actually doing the deeds that God's asked them to do? And so inside of them is a complete lack of confidence that they should believe anything because their heart's condemning Him. Was this not the verse you just told me about today? Yeah, we've been had this on the docket for how long now? So how about that, huh? So, let me, you remember I said we're going to talk about something in a moment. Listen, if we're walking outside of love, what we're doing is completely disconnecting ourselves from a uh, clear conscience. And when we disconnect ourselves from the clear conscience, we don't receive anything that we ask. But when we walk in love, it connects us with the clear conscience. And with the clear conscience, we stand before God boldly. And now when we ask, we receive it because we have a clear conscience of God's love that's operating inside of life. And it's kind of like this. Because I'm doing the things that God asked me to do, I know I'm God's. Yeah. And because I know I'm God's, if I'm God's, man, I got anything and everything I want. But when we don't do that, man, I don't feel like God's today. Lord, will you please help me? Please. Just, it, it, here's what's happening when, you, when you're not doing it right. You're like, just please don't strike me down and we're good, all right? <laughs> just, just don't strike me right where I stand and leave a smoke spot, right? You know, that's the way we feel. I mean, literally, that's how we feel. And so we're like just good that we're still living today. And no wonder we don't have anything else. We have no confidence before God. I, I, I said it like this. If we are operating in deeds and truth, or in deeds and actions, for the purpose of our loving God. In other words, I'm not, if I'm moving in truth, I'm not just moving for my purposes. 
I'm moving for God's purposes because I love him. So if we're operating in deeds and truth or in deeds and actions for the purpose of our loving God, out of our love for God, it will convince our heart, even when we miss it and sin, that we are still God's and will receive whatever we ask of him. You want me to say that again? If we are operating in deeds and truths or in deeds and actions for the purpose of our loving God, out of our love for God, it will convince our heart, even when we miss it in sin, that we are still God's and will receive whatever we ask of Him. Now see, you've got several things put together here. Number one, would you have anything if you weren't God's? No. Number two, would you have anything if you were walking outside of God's ways? No. But they're, they're not independent of each other. They go together. It's, a th- it's I'm God's, I'm walking in His ways, and I have the things that I need. It's a, it's a threefold cord. It, a lot of times we want to say, well, I'm God's, I get everything. Or we'll, we'll say, well, I'm doing everything God wants me to do, so I get everything, right? We want to we separate those, but they, they don't, they're not to be separated. I'm God's, and because I'm God's, I love and I do the things he asked me to, and because I'm God's and I love, I have those things that I need. And they work together. So there's so many people that are sitting there going, I mean, there's, there's just so many people that are sitting there going, I just, I ask God for stuff. I, remember what this chapter is about, the whole book's about? So that you will experience God the same way that John was? He's telling you right here how to do it. Know that you're His. He loves you. Do it because you love Him. Ask what you will and you'll have it. Walk in this experience. Walk in the fullness of what He has. Why do you need to walk in this? Number one, if God wants to love on me, then let Him love on you. But number two, when you walk in this level of stuff and you start doing it, and you see this should be the level of every Christian, not super Christian. Every Christian. Every Christian should understand this and know this, but, I mean, I've never been taught this, not like this. Every Christian should know it and understand it and be walking it. And if we were, man, how much trouble would we have helping other people get what they need and meeting the needs of other people through the love of God for them? It wouldn't be a problem. But it's been a problem, so we need to get this area down pat. Here's, I broke it down into this. If we'll do three things. Serve in deeds and actions and not just lip service. Number one, serve in deeds and action and not just lip service. Number two, serve to advance God's purposes, not our purposes, not our kingdom. Let me, let me say it like this. We will serve God not to advance our church. Are we here just to, you know, get a bunch of people in here? Build our kingdom? So number one, serve in deeds and actions, not just lip service. Number two, serve in truth. Serve to advance God's purposes, not our purposes, not our kingdom or our church. Number three, serve because we love God, not for personal gain alone. Serve in deeds and actions for God's purposes because we love them. Those three things. We will have then a confidence and a boldness in our heart before God and men. And, number two, you'll have prayers answered. Let me, how many people would still have a problem tomorrow if you knew that you could talk to God without Him zapping you down, that you had a confidence and boldness of God's that you were His, and your prayers were answered. How many people would still have a problem tomorrow if every one of your prayers were answered and you had boldness before God? Where'd all the problems go? How important is love? How important is doing love not just in lip service, but in actions and deeds. All of a sudden, we start to experience God for real.
To finish the chapter, verse 23 says, This is His commandment that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He commanded us. We've got to love one another. 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 We've got to put them first. We've got to make our life a lower priority than their life. We've got to choose, even if it costs us, we got to love one another. we got to believe on Christ, believe the power of who He is. And, and let me put it this way. we got to believe that through Christ you actually can fulfill loving other people. you got to believe that through Jesus, you might not have been able to do it by yourself, but through Jesus, I can love like He asked me to love. I might not have been able to do it, you know, but with God all things are possible. And through Christ, I can do what He asked me to do. And when I do what He asked me to do, now I'm serving in deeds and in truth. I have confidence before God. Prayers are answered. Needs are met. The love of God is actually manifested in this world. Verse 24, the one who keeps His commandments abides in Him and He in Him. In other words, him and God, uh, they become, <laughs> I'm thinking Star Wars, symbiotic uh, organisms. <laughs> they, 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 they are so much a part of one another. They are so much a part of one another. They need each other. They survive and live based off of each other. They, they uh, uh, flourish because they're with one another. They're about God abiding with you and you abiding with Him. God abiding with you, you abiding with Him. The one who keeps His commandments, that is. The one who actually does it. Abides in Him and He in Him. We know by this that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. In other words, when I start to see that Holy Spirit move in me and convict me to go do something, do what I need to do. Trust God when I need to trust Him. Love on people when I need to love on them. Meet their need when He tells me to meet their need. Give them wisdom when He tells me to give them wisdom. I'm just open to whatever God is leading me to do. And that Holy Spirit's moving in me and empowering me to do that. And I release that in deed and in truth. All of a sudden I see, man, I'm God's. I'm sealed with that Holy Spirit. I see the power of God in my life. And now we know from the other verses. Now when I start praying, am I expecting things to happen? Oh, yeah. Why? Because I'm confident before God. I know I'm His. And if I'm His, I'm a son of the greatest king of all kings. I'm a son of the most uh, almightiest of creators. The only one there is. I, I realize that all the power that He has you know what was great about the, about the prodigal son was the son that didn't go away and God turns to him and says, don't you know that everything I have is yours? And when you are abiding with, with God in that kind of way and you know and you have that boldness before God, how much stuff can stand of the devil, of the enemy, can stand in your way? Not a bit. And then you can really go to advance in the kingdom like this world's almost never seen. Actually, he has never seen. Because even in Jesus, he said, you're going to do this and more. Amen? Amen. Does anybody have any questions? Amen. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, let us be a people of love. Let us be, Lord, a people that moves in deed and truth. We don't just talk about it. It's not just theory. Let it be an actual truth. Let it, Lord, let our actions, oh yeah, mirror the glory of heaven. Amen. I'll, let our actions mirror the glory of Jesus. Let our actions mirror the glory of Almighty God. Not just in thought, not just in theory, not just, not just out of words out of our mouth, but let our deeds mirror the glory of God. Lord, we thank You for Your love.
that set us free to be able to walk in Your love. And through that, Lord, Christ could then reproduce Himself as the firstborn of many brethren who would do these works and greater because He now has all power and all authority and passed it on to be multiplied throughout the earth through the children of God. Lord, thank You for Your power and Your love that not just is reflected in our lives that You want to pour out on the whole world. You're not holding the sins against the world. You're trying to get your glory. You're trying to get your power. You're trying to get your love manifested and experienced in their lives. Lord, we see it as a great opportunity just to be a peace in your plan. What an opportunity to serve Almighty God. Father, we just praise you and we love you. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to live lives of love in deeds and truth. Lord, I just ask right now, Father, I just ask for your eyes of understanding that will very clearly, very, very, very clearly shine the light of what is love and what isn't love in the hearts and minds of everybody that's listening to this. And Lord, let them be strengthened right now with all might to step into the deeds of Your love, into the truth of Your love, for the purposes of Your love and nothing else. And Lord, let the power and the experience and the manifested love be in their lives like it never has been before. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Have a great night. Roger, happy birthday.